Welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD, where successful San Diego leaders share their stories of leading beyond profit and are using the influence of business to positively change the companies and communities we all work and live in. I'm your host, Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership, a process that creates high-performing cultures by unlocking the unlimited potential of your team. I want to thank our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, and Be Local, who are all focused on supporting this next generation of leader. Welcome to the show. The 24th annual Cause Conference was held last September, and it was an amazing rocking event with over 400 local leaders. Cause San Diego was on a mission to build a stronger, more vibrant San Diego community by accelerating the social impact of both for-profit businesses and nonprofit organizations. While the Cause Conference is the big annual event, there's so much more going on with Cause San Diego under the co-leadership of Stacy Reidinger and Delinda Forsythe. And today, we have the privilege of having Stacy here on Conscious Curiosity SD. Stacy, welcome. Hi, glad to be here. Heading into the 25th anniversary of the Cause Conference, the leadership decided to take no more chances and brought in the Marines. Yes, that's right. Stacy is a Marine Corps combat veteran, along with being an award-winning communications and marketing professional. Besides her professional work, she's been having a huge impact in San Diego through all the various nonprofits she both supports and is engaged with. So, Stacy, it's awesome to have you here today. I've been involved with Cause for some time, so you and I are working together on this. But um, I'd like to kick this off and talk about being a Marine. <laughs> and I, I never can make that claim, especially a woman. So uh, very excited to hear a little bit about your backstory and who you are and kind of how you got here today. So tell us the backstory on how did you become a Marine? I had some military people in my family, but of course they were all men. So no one ever spoke to me much about the military. Um, growing up in Southern Louisiana, I could see that there was a large community of people that did serve in, in the military, so I knew of it. What happened for me was that I had a boyfriend who went to a recruiter's office and two weeks after graduation, he was gone. And I'm like, what happened? So you, you just follow behind him? Somehow you bump into him? I just, I didn't know what happened. He, he took off to Paris Island, South Carolina to boot camp. So we wrote letters and I learned about his experience. He sent me a couple pictures. I sent him a few of mine and, and uh, I saw him in his dress blues. And I was like, wow, that guy, look, that looks like a pretty interesting place to work with a lot of very handsome, strong um, men and, and All right, women. Now, now we're getting the so, real story. So, uh, <laughs> so, so you it. know, I'm sitting there like, okay, I love sports. I'd always been into athletics. And when I was uh, 17, I could talk to a recruiter. And I, re- I actually graduated high school at 17. They're like, hey, you know, you can travel around the world. You can we have gyms that you can work out in. And I was like, I get paid to work out. Okay. <laughs> so that kind of led me into this whole thing of getting my mom to sign me up to, to join at 17. And I joined in 1993. What did your mom say about that? Did your mom think just that was a great idea or was it a little convincing that it had to be made? To- I was pretty persuasive even when I was 17, but I do, I do think that she, we, I come from a little town and if it was kind of a town where if you don't get out, you won't get out. So I, I think she wanted me to take flight and to kind okay. of move so it was an exit for out, of, out of that small area and to continue to kind of see the world. So that's kind of how I got started. That was back in 1993. So you were, how many years you were in? I was in for 24 years. 24 years. You evolved into a high rank as yeah. well. So uh, tell us the story a little bit. How did that all happen? Yeah, so I joined um, Enlisted and I went into one of the th- most thankless jobs in the Marine Corps, which is being a cook. 
So that, there's a story behind that, but I, I won't go into that piece of it. I was kind You're of the like, woman in the kitchen or something. Kind of, exactly. I was kind <laughs> of kind. And my grandmother was a great cook. And I thought, wow, this should be a great opportunity. Not the same when you're cooking for thousands of people. So from there, I was in Okinawa, Japan, met my first husband. We um, ended up having a little one. And so I think during that time, I dropped to the reserves and had some time to think about what I really wanted to do with my life. And I was given an opportunity to come back on active duty um, after having her. And that's when I found great mentors that said, hey, you've got something here. Let's pull you back in. So I came back to active duty, worked in the administration pay field for about four or five years. Where's that located? And I was, I was, in so something? I was working in, uh, at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, okay. um, at some military Marine Corps base. And then I was stationed out in Kansas city, Missouri with Marine Corps reserve support command. And at that time, someone approached me and said, Hey, you know, um, I was a single mom by that, but that time kind of didn't work out with my first. And, uh, they're like, have you thought about becoming an officer? So I had these mentors that were there pushing me towards a program to pursue my degree. So I was able to get accepted. We had 93 people accepted that year and three were women. And I was one of those. I have to assume most of the time you're probably a minority. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I pretty much worked in the majority male dominated um, type of industry my whole career. So fortunate enough to go to so university. What's, what's the trick? Yeah. Straight right now. What's, what's the trick of managing us boys? Um, <laughs> us gotta, little boys. <laughs> so essentially we have to show you up. I'm going to be as tough or tougher than you. Mm. So if you can run, I can run faster. If you can do pull-ups, I'm going to try to be there doing pull-ups. It's really walking the walk and uh, not letting them see that there's any weaknesses or that we can't handle what needs to be done. I am woman. Hear me roar. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So I interrupted. So then yeah. so what about? I finished my degree at University of Colorado. And at that time, then we move into being commissioned. I commissioned as an officer, second lieutenant. So I essentially went down the ranks. Enlisted side, I was a staff sergeant, which is an E6. Everybody listening to this, it's in the military. I went all the way back down to the beginning of the food chain for the officer side mm. as a second lieutenant. From, what, what a deal, right? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you do get paid more. Your responsibilities higher. But, I think um, that happens in corporate, too, where you kind of have that direct contributor job. And then, oh, now I'm going to make you the boss. Yep. And they get paid overtime. You don't. They're like, oh, you're off me. <laughs> oh, yes. short end of the stick, right? Yep, yeah. yep. So they call us butter bars. That's what second lieutenants in the, in the uh, military are called. Went forward. We go to a six-month training uh, program called the Basic School in Quantico, Virginia. And they just totally like wear us out for six months to make sure that we are strong and ready to go as officers when we go out into the fleet. Um, I fought for my position to move into public affairs. I really felt from my English degree, education degree, I love being able to communicate and bring salience to issues by being able to communicate those. Got the position. I had a 200 and some people I selected with two others to get that uh, job and did that from 2004 all the way to 2017. Um, that included me um, working both here in the United States as well as in other countries. I've worked in the uh, Republic of Philippines, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Kuwait, Afghanistan. So you did get to see the world. And then those countries come here to the to the U.S. Afghanistan obviously was multinational with NATO. So just a extremely um, grateful experience. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize the benefits that you can get from military service. And, and so, what was your greatest learning? I mean, kind of all said all these years, if you said, boy, here's like the one thing that I would you know, say to somebody like, you know, I was considering going to the military or whatever, go, here's the big thing I got out of it. What would you say that is? 
I do not know of a place where you can go where at a young age you can be placed into leadership positions to be able to grow yourself as a leader. You're placed, because the Marine Corps is so small in particular, even at a uh, junior Lance Corporal Corporal age, you could be put in charge of several people. I know people working in the corporate and, and, and for-profit sectors who made their whole lives work in an individual contributor position. Nothing against that. But if someone's seeking to gain leadership skills early on in life that help you throughout the time, then join one of the branches of service. Wow, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Hey, that's, that's so true. I mean, often you hear like, you know, the, the 23-year-old that's charged some billion-dollar you know, piece of equipment and all this kinds of good stuff. And out here, eh, not so much. Yeah, we've got like 25-year-olds flying F-35 Joint Strike Fighters. Yeah, we have them um, We have them out as uh, ship captains with these huge ships where we land our aircraft on. So I don't think it's mentioned enough. And in this day and age, we need excellent men and women to serve. So this isn't a recruiting pitch, but it is because we do need people to go in and serve. And it's not just to go and do that job. It's much bigger. It's the most purposeful thing I've ever done in my life, trying to fulfill that purpose feeling now with what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I almost ended up in the military. I went to college, went off to engineering school. After the first quarter, I said, man, this is like way too hard. And I think I'm way over my, my head on this thing. And <laughs> I actually went to the naval recruiter in the town that I was going to school in, and I come home and I go to my mom. I said, oh, I think I'm I'm dropping out and I'm going to go to the, in the military. He goes, no, you're not. She goes, I already paid for the next quarter. <laughs> so I'm going back to school. So I made a deal with her. I said, okay, if I go back and I feel like I can do this, then great. But if I just, you know, bail or, you know, sneak by, then I'm out. She's all right. That seemed like a fair deal, but so I got close. I got close. There we go. Well, so I'm mom, glad. my mom said no. Okay, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I have a different plan. Our for lives you would have been so mom. different if your mom said yes. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be here, right? <laughs> well, so what's, what's the one thing on the other side of the equation? If I was thinking about this, you would say, "Well, think this through before you make make the leap into the military." What's what's the one cautionary thing you would say to someone considering? You have to be willing to be very disciplined and you have to sacrifice some of your freedoms because freedom isn't free and it's a very structured environment. But I will tell you that it actually helps to build integrity and it builds determination, resilience. It challenges you both physically and mentally. So you have to be ready for that and not expect for it to just be a nine to five type Mm. of job. I mean, you're all in. You're all in. The military needs and demands you and that becomes your your um your guiding star and everything else in your life your family your friends your community they're very important but it's um mission first and and troop welfare so these people become your family so you have to know that when you go into this it's not just uh you know clocking in clocking out i've actually heard that story multiple times from people that come out of the military um i have a friend he was a fighter pilot and another guy that was kind of a high-ranking guy in the submarine space. Coming out of that and into the corporate America, they were like struck by this. People don't do what they say they're going to do. And yeah, it was just, a, it's a really difficult uh, yeah. transition yeah. in how we operate here in corporate America. Yeah, I kind of have one of those stories too myself. <laughs> it's, uh, it is, it's a big transition. It, I mean, we're, we're in a, I didn't realize what I didn't know. It's one of the reasons I decided to retire was I didn't know is the grass greener on the other side? Mm, <laughs> you know, that's right. what we always say. Right, right. <laughs> it always is until you get up close and you're looking down on it. That's what I tell. <laughs> so post the military and here we are today, you're heading up the cause effort. So what, tell us a little bit about that transition. Finished up in the military. I was uh, hoping to 
uh, go in to actually start my own media organization. I had worked on an MBA and a plan, and just like all good plans, they don't always come to fruition. And I realized that I needed to get a little more knowledge, experience of what's happening on the corporate side and, and for-profit side. So I, I applied for my first position after retiring. Uh, interviews later, I was at the UPS store headquarters working for them. Um, they are owned by UPS. And I was there as their PR director and social media marketing lead for 5,000 franchises around the country. So it was a huge uh, learning experience for me. Um, Really enjoyed that, learning about UPS and all of the things that go into that multinational 400,000 plus organization. That that, that organization is well structured. I have a friend that's a UPS person. From military to there, there's probably some similarities for sure, I think. It is, yeah. When I was being interviewed, I found out that in the 60s and 70s, a, a large percentage of those they recruited were from the military, mm. coming out of the military. They, from, made the, yep, yep, yep. they were vet- All the veterans. How we do yep, it here. They yep, were coming yep. in, and they actually helped to develop a lot of their business practices and structure. That was a little bit easy to fall into, but there were things that were different, like you'd mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <okay. laughs> There were definitely some differences, and the big thing is, hey, when we're going to go work out? Are we going to go meet together at the beach to go for a three-mile run or play some ultimate frisbee or football? And that that camaraderie was missing. Mm. And I was trying to search it out and figure out where do I replace that. And everybody goes and they do 30-minute lunches and it's very fast. And I just, just didn't feel the, the connection as much with everyone because everyone did their jobs and went home. And we were used to being in the big suck together. <laughs> we're like going to go out in the field for 30 days and live in a tent and, you know, right. live off of MREs or whatever, which sounds horrible, but actually it's really cool <laughs> to bit to do and that. There's some bonding people. that comes yeah. out of all that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So that kind of led me to continuing on. I'd been doing a lot of volunteer work while on active duty and I just accelerated that after uh, retiring. It helped to round out my um, sense of purpose and service to my country. I didn't feel like I was providing enough of that just um, in my corporate position. So I, I tell everyone listening to this, I'm telling you, if you feel like you're missing something, go try something out and find a, a nonprofit uh, or a group to get involved in that can, might help you to feel more invigorated and productive at work by doing these other types yeah. of things. Well, I mean, you start working for nonprofits or volunteering you're connecting to something that's probably more meaningful, that thing that's a little bit bigger than you. I mean, often work can be that paycheck thing, and it's all about me or trying to climb some ladder. But you go and engage in a nonprofit, it's, 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 I'm assuming, the majority of the time anyways, they have a loftier purpose and goal. And, and again, if you're volunteering, <laughs> then right there it says right. you're doing something, right? Yeah. I guess it's kind of up to where we are today, right? Yeah. So the cause conference, uh, you know, we've had that on the show. We actually had a little live thing here back during the conference. And uh, that was our 24th anniversary of Parker Pike starting this way back in the day where uh, some folks reached out and said, hey, could you help the nonprofits do a better job of putting their package together when they come to corporate America um, to try and uh, request some money and whatnot? Things have evolved over time. Uh, since I got involved in 2018, there's been a bit of a move to try and get more mm-hmm. for-profit companies actually involved. Okay. And society's kind of moving that direction anyways. Uh, the one the show last year, the, the conference last year, really was a big move in that direction. Talk a little bit about last year's conference, your view of that, what we did well, uh, what's exciting. And then we start to talk about where we're going with things. Sure. So last year was the first time I was engaged with the conference um, from a volunteer standpoint. And what was um, extremely gratifying for me was to see the team of people that we got together to put this thing together. I've done tons of volunteer work, and I'm telling you, to wrangle 
a group of volunteers to, to put on a 400 plus person event all day. Um, I think we had 16 plus presenters that were there. We had keynote speakers from Gary Ridge with WD40. We had our bi- Biofem CEO. We had uh, our co-chairs, uh, Donna DeBerry from the Black Chamber of Commerce here in San Diego, as well as Grant Oliphant. He was our Previs Foundation, Conrad Previs Foundation um, co-chair. Just the momentum and the things that were happening there. I saw the collaboration. What we didn't quite get to was the call to action, which is where we want to go this year. Additionally, where we want to go is we actually want to open the aperture. We'd mostly like to keep it local with our local San Diego leaders coming in, talking about best practices, lessons learned. Um, Hey, we are doing this, get on the boat. But we think there's some great uh, best practices across the world. And we'd like to get even some higher level uh, speakers and VIP um, keynotes coming in to inspire all of us. We watch them on TED Talks. We hear about them in the news. But let's get them here to San Diego. Our hope with this thing is do the conference this year, get everyone invigorated, and to follow up with these business leaders and help them on their journey to see that you can do well and you can do good. You can make a profit and you can do good for society in so many different aspects. Leaning in like UPS, what I learned there is that they lean into their employees. They really ask their employees. Their employees get to choose some of the foundation grants they give out at UPS. It's not all run by some big group that's sitting there at the top, you know, at the ivory tower with the board or anything like that. That's not how they, they handle things. It doesn't have to be a UPS that's doing it, though. It can be a very small business. Another thing we're trying to do, it's really difficult for a business that's already churning, getting things going. They already have a business model to change it, but we want it to be in the DNA of these new up-and-coming social entrepreneurship, the B Corps, all of that. So that's something we want to show there. I think the B Corps that are kicking it off with this integrated into their business model have something to teach those other businesses that are sitting there going, you know, I don't have time for this. You know, I, I got to focus on my um, my ROI, making sure that I, you know, can get that product or service to my customer. I got to make sure that I my my employees are, are um, doing well so I can deliver. But I'm telling you what, if your customers don't like the, the things you're doing and you're not actually doing something to help society and you're only taking away and using resources or your employees don't feel purposeful because they're just there bumping and grinding for that product or service, you're going to have issues. But how do, how, how do we, as a Cause San Diego and Cause Conference, how do we get you to realize that there are key benefits here to actually tying in social impact programs and, and policies into your company? So that's kind of the mission we're on. And, you know, the vision, you know, you've heard it, Jeff. You're with the team. We'd love to see Cause San Diego be a gold star example of what other big cities, Cause Atlanta, Cause Denver, Cause Portland, Cause D.C., you name it, to be able to create a model that they can pick up and use and obviously make it hyper-local to themselves, but to create a movement here so that people understand that it takes multi-sector collaboration. We need to get in line with our goals and ensure that the money is going in and it's actually effectively improving the conditions of our cities and our people and our planet. Awesome. You know, this podcast uh, where our collaborators are Conscious Capitalism, Be Local, which is the B Corp guys, obviously the BBB where we're here um, in their studios, uh, naturally San Diego, which is, you know, has a kind of focus more on the organic foods and packaging. But, you know, again, trying to do it from a purposeful leadership perspective. And we just had uh, Benea Ramos in here from Business for Good. 
which is really, you know, small businesses kind of south of the eight. How do we support all that? So if you really, really look at the sweet spot of cause, right? So we got all these kind of different organizations. Where would you say the sweet spot of causes and that whole kind of matrix of different business organizations? We've been thinking about that because when we finished the conference last year, we really looked at what we were doing and said, you know, there's more that needs to be done outside of a conference. And so we d- we've developed this Cause San Diego initiative. It's still in its infancy. But what we're starting to learn is that there's a need to have a collaborative arm that kind of has an umbrella over all of those different groups you just mentioned. What I've noticed over many years here, I've been focused a lot on the um, issue of homelessness here in San Diego, is that I call it the silos of compassion. We have tons of for-profit, non-profits, government, you name it, all focusing in on this issue. But as we see in California, every couple of years, they throw 40 billions of dollars at this issue, and it's not being improved. And what I think is happening is there's a lack of proper coordination and for us to be aligned in the work that we're doing. If we could play even just one ounce of of value in that game of helping all of those groups that you just mentioned and more, businesses that are just throwing money at a golf tournament, businesses that are uh, saying, hey, I'll I'll give you a grant for $2,500 here, but there's no connective tissue to the issue other than that was great. That was a great PR lift for our company. That you got to do more than what we call just looking good. Okay, because I've done that for my whole career. Not that I didn't just make things look good because I really was there to sit, to apply to make sure we were walking the walk if we were talking the talk. Right. So that's just a PR. That's just a exactly. PR marketing activity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So having that, how do we do, how do we do that? That's where we need we need everyone's minds involved with this. How do we do that? Cause Conference is a great way to elevate all of those organizations you just mentioned. Let's bring them in. Let's collaborate. And really, also, let's let's uh, really determine how do we measure this. We have to measure there you it. Go. We, we all know in business, you, if you don't measure it, then there there really is no true ability to see if you've moved. Which moved is hard to measure if you're doing a one-off thing, right? It's just you know because right. this is not a one-off kind of problem, right? I mean, these are big social issues like homelessness and that. You just can't go out and you know we serve for a weekend and. Wow, what happened? Well, nothing, quite honestly. So, yeah. yeah, so we have we actually have a couple of uh, outstanding examples that we want to share this year at the conference. I won't kind of tip those off, what? but I will what? tell you, you that you can't do that to us. You, have, right. to, you have to share at least one of these stories. Okay, okay, I'll try to do two quick stories. Okay, the first one's with Lennar. As you all may know, one of the largest home builders in the country, where they have really come in as a strong um, strategic partner with Homemade. Homemade's a nonprofit that works to build housing and programmatic facilities for homeless service providers around uh, the country. We have 19 chapters. Uh, the one here in San Diego, I've been on their board since 2018, and we've just done some amazing things. Well, Lennar came in two years ago and said, hey, we're having a shortage with construction, quality construction employees working with our trade partners. Um, we came in with them and said, hey, we're having an, an issue here where we really want to broaden out from just building. We want to do something in workforce development and get people jobs because jobs are creating the stable income. So we partnered together. They helped us create a what's called Homemade Works program. It's uh, for San Diego. We started our first uh, class last year. We had three cohorts last year. Lennar provided us the Lennar San Diego headquarters building to do our training in. They provided us act, uh, active employees that trained our students. They gave us their trade partner list to find our job partners. And then they turned a a fun golf tournament with their trade partners into a $60,000 fundraised wow. event for us 
um, two years ago, and then last year we raised $90,000. And so in addition to that, they gave us seed money from their Lennar Foundation. So what I'm sharing with you is just one snippet of what obviously a very large, you know, well-spread-out company is doing for us, but I don't see why that can't be pulled into a microcosm and also done at a, at a smaller level. They've um, had their employees come out and volunteer at our homemade San Diego walk. They come out and work at our golf tournaments. It's a cross-sector coming together and understanding that we can't do this alone. We need right, to come right. together. The second one I want to share real quick is Harris. I'm not sure if you know about Harris Casino. Um, well, that's I'm out in, uh, out in, um, or maybe not for the purposes. Okay, right, right. I Me mean, neither, right? I'm like, why is Harris asking a nonprofit to do things? But Harris is out there in Valley Center. Uh, they do a thing called um, All In for Change every year. They ask nonprofits to submit um, entries to them, and they give out, I don't know, I think it was $60,000 to worthy nonprofits. They do it as a crowdsource. So the, the, all these um, nonprofits put in their names and um, and then they select maybe the, the top five or six. And then everybody go that goes out to vote. You get like a, a one week voting period. It's everybody and your brother and sister online voting, voting. And then at the end, we all go to an event there at Harris and they give everybody beautiful plate of dinner and our lunch and um, had us up on the stage. And, and um, I was with one of the nonprofits that won $15,000, nice. the Navy Marine Corps Proud Foundation. That's another nonprofit I work with. But what I'm showing here is that Harris has found a way to give back and to do something. And they're doing things with the tribal with the Native American tribal community, they have a very big connection, obviously, with them, and they had them there, and they were exposing us to that. Things like this can happen and are happening. Don't say, you know, I'm not sure what to do or how to do it. Find people that have these experiences and have the connective tissue to bring you in. And I'm telling you, when I saw Harris employees, when I saw Lenar's employees, those employees are happy to go to work. And it's not just because they're building a home for a family, and that's great. But when they know that they're helping get a homeless person into a job who's going to move out of a shelter into a house. The whole cycle. Yeah, the whole cycle. Not just a piece of And they it. get to meet those students. They come into their beautiful headquarters building, use their beautiful state-of-the-art conference room where the um, students, this last class, we just had one in March. The CEO of Lenar was there. He was there for a meeting. He came out and talked to these students who former foster youth, former incarcerated, living in shelters, Father Joe's Village Path. What kind of impact is that for them? They were like awestruck that this guy was here giving him the time of day. Nice. But it can happen. And we just need more businesses to, to let it figure out, find somebody in your team to do it or find somebody on the outside that can help you with it. And that's kind of what we're thinking for cause is like, can we be that conduit to, that it? Conduit yeah. to help businesses to, to connect them and, and think through what could that social impact type of partnership be? Well, I like the idea of being the conduit, but I also like the idea of the collaboration. I know it was the number 11, 15,000, whatever. We've got nonprofits here in our general area. That's a huge number. You got to figure it, it gets spread across maybe five, six, ten social issues. So that just means we got all these replications of the overhead and all this. Like, So how do, how do they come together in a better way? And then how can we be the conduit for businesses? Because I, I'm with you that if we start to focus, not everyone off doing their own little one thing, but, you know, let me go collaborate with some of the people who are already doing something, then the impact starts to begin. Yeah. And, and then back to like, okay, can we be in a place where we can start to measure that? Exactly. So people are like, oh, we're actually seeing something happen here. Not just a, not just a conversation, not yeah. just a feel good, but no is actually a measurable outcome. I'm glad you asked me that because I'm going to say something very unpopular. Okay. Okay. 
No one wants to hear that we don't need more of something. We don't need more of this. We don't need more nonprofits starting on their own. If you have a passion for something, please find a nonprofit that you can work with. The solution that I think we really need to have, Jeff, is that we need to come to terms that we have a lot of nonprofits working in silos and that we're not seeing progress. I read something yesterday and it just struck me and I was looking at different business models and trying to think through cause San Diego. What are we going to be? Are we going to be a B Corps, a nonprofit? What's, what, where are we? We're currently a fiscally sponsored program under a nonprofit. But what struck me was that nonprofits are getting funding from donors. Their funding comes 100% from donors, whether that's an individual, that's a company, that's an association. Um, that's where they get their money. And the only accountability that's held over those nonprofits are if you're a foundation or a group that gives a grant and have grant reporting responsibilities, potentially the board that oversees fiscally and has that responsibility over that nonprofit or the donors themselves. Now, you and I know. Donors give money. They don't have time of day to sit here and backtrack and and hold hold things forward. So accountability needs to be had. And I'm not trying to be this whole military, you know, Kurt and everything else, but without accountability, without people being forced to have aligned measures to measure whether they're being successful, we'll continue to have the same issues that we have. To me, I think it needs to be kind of a combination between us on the the, – nonprofit or maybe even like cause San Diego types of groups and these others you mentioned and government coming together and creating some kind of accountability. As a matter of fact, you can look it up. State of California is about to do it. Maybe they have, there's a bill on the table. It's called the homelessness accountability act. And they are going to now, at least on the government side, create more accountability over the funding they give to service providers and groups that take in that funding. I think it's a start. It's probably not going to be the end all be all, right. but we, that's a, that's a problem. And if somebody out there listening has a, a way for us to come together and do that, align what we're doing, we just have to reduce the churn that's happening because we're just not getting, we're not moving the dial on these no, issues that get, we want. There's no ROI, mm-hmm. right? Billions of dollars are being spent. And meanwhile, the problem's getting worse. So, mm-hmm. well, you know, I've had my own experience and it really, by the podcast that I started this initially for conscious capitalism and then came to BB, got to learn about what they're doing here. And then uh, the B local guys. And, and that's when I started to realize, look, there's all these different organizations that at the very top really are all doing what I wanted to do or believe in, which is the purposeful leader, right? Leading beyond profit, but they all have their kind of their little silo or specificity of what they're doing, trying to be the voice for them. And uh, excited about the idea of cause maybe being the actual physical, let's get together and get to know each other and go make some things happen. So very, very exciting. So how do people get engaged? What, 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 what do we need at the cause San Diego and how one might get, you know, get all excited about hearing what we're doing over there? How do I get involved? Sure. So um, one of the first things you can do is go to our website. It's causesandiego.org. And you can read about last year's conference. Um, we have our video there as a recap. You can also see what we've been doing this year. We are on the hunt for some motivated, socially conscious, like individuals here for our team. Right now, we're functioning as a 100% volunteer team that's moving this forward. Um, we will be putting on our conference this fall in September. So we're just about to jump into our planning cycle. And we have a kickoff event here at the Better Business Bureau at the Ignite Center where we're having this conversation. And we're doing that next week on Monday, May 15th. So, um, you know, what we'd love to see are people coming out. If you want to get involved, you can go on our website. We have a place to send us a message and we'll get back with you. 
and uh, let us know what your skills are. And we'd love to have you be a part of this. This is a San Diego collaborative right now. And um, we do, we would love to see it be sustainable into a business model where those of us working, some of us can actually bring in a paycheck, but that's not where we're focused right now. What we're focused is building the right team. And if you want to be a part of that, um, we'd love to have you. One of the things like Nima last year, and kudos to Larry Kesselin, who was kind of the, the chief uh, guy last year pulling things together, and you made the comment of, I, I felt like it was a great place to volunteer and get involved where no one was in, doing any really heavy lifting. Everybody, because we had lots of people, lots of trying to get people in the right roles and responsibilities, do things that you like to do, what you care about. It actually made it really easy and it made it a lot of fun versus sometimes you raise your hand for these things. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I got a job. And that's not how it worked at cost. So yeah, yeah, we're not. Um, we are more of like, uh, for instance, this year already, we got together and we went and volunteered at the Interfaith Community Services up in North County in Escondido as a group. You were there, Jeff. I was there. And I think we made over, what was it, 400 <laughs> peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Well, I think and more than they actually wanted. Yeah, <laughs> we made kits. We made these uh, kits that they give out. They actually service over 300 uh, individuals and families every day for lunch out of there. So we went and did that. We already have some ideas. I've been talking to Delinda Forsyth, which, by the way, she is an amazing co-lead for cause San Diego and, and the cause conference. Um, we should have her on here next to talk a little bit more about her background because the oh, strength she actually she's actually already been on the show. Oh, there she, we go. She was, was she? like maybe number one or two. Okay. Uh, my guest on the podcast because yeah. of conscious capitalism. Yeah. Well, she just sold her business and she's all in for cause San Diego and she has just a dynamite leader. I'm learning, learning so much from Delinda. She's actually, um, we're co-leading, but she, I think we mentor each other back and forth on things. So it's, it's a great. You're a good team. Yeah. We got the women and the Marines. Everybody's, things are happening over here. Yep. All right. So Stacy, here we are wrapping up the show. Someone's getting out of their car, walking into the office now. What's like the one thing you'd really like them to remember? Or maybe the action you'd like them to take? What's your thought? I'd like them to just think about the community they live in and the things that they cherish and things that we sometimes take for granted, especially those that have all their basic needs met and probably even more. And just think about what it's like for those that don't here in our community. And if there's some way that you as an individual or those within your organization can take a step forward, business has a huge role to play in helping for us to make a better society. And how can you as an individual or a team lead be a part of that and influencing your business to take that step or to enhance what they're doing? Because we're not going to get this done just with the nonprofits in the government sector. We're going to, we need to be all in together. I love that. I love that. Yes. One of my whole things here is how do we activate the business community to use their influence to positively impact the community of San Diego? So I love that. So Stacy, I want to thank you for taking the time to come to the show today and to share your amazing experiences, insights, and wisdom. And I also want to thank you for the amazing work that you and Delinda and the whole team at Cause are doing to try and make San Diego a better place to work, live, and play. Well, that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe, comment, and most importantly, share the podcast with a friend. Again, special thanks to our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, and Be Local. We're all using the influence of business to positively impact our own community of San Diego. I'm Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership saying, until next time, go do what you do. Go do what you do best, for we're all counting on you. <laughs>